we were there in 2007, they were there for about a year, and, and the Lord, really it was the Holy Spirit, just put on my heart an unreached people group in North East China uh, called the Ilan Trin. And at the time there was no Ilan Trin that were actually Christians that we knew of for all the research that people had done. And, and I was just praying, and, and I'd heard about this group before, but hadn't thought about it for years and years and years. And the Lord just put it in my heart, and it just wouldn't go away. And so I thought, God, what is this? You, you're talking to me about this. So we decided to step out of faith and head up there and, and try to find them. And, and this is only a, a small group. There's only 10,000 Erlen Trin in China, which is a drop in the ocean, 1.3 billion people, 10,000 people. But you know what? Those people are just as important to God than you and me. They're just as important than, than the rest of the Chinese in China. And these people, from the time Jesus walked the earth till now, have been in darkness. 2,000 years they've been waiting. And for whatever reason, um, you know, they've been resistant to the gospel, no one's gone. Whatever reason, they are still in darkness. And um, it took us three days. We actually found them in the end. And um, to cut a long story short, um, and it really was an incredible story, God led us to a lady whose daughter lived in Beijing from the Erlen Trin. Now, Beijing's population is 16 million um, we know of no other Ellen Trin that live there. They're very, very poor. They're like the Aborigines in Australia. Drunkenness is rampant, poverty. Uh, the, you can't just go and live anywhere you can in China. She actually married into uh, a man. She actually was doing her minority dances okay. and she met someone and, and she ended up marrying, living in Beijing. Well, God led us to her. We led her to Christ. She's actually on the board. She'll come around sometime. And um, so as far as I know, she was the first from that group and even though that year we planted a church, we led lots of people to the Lord, God did something in my heart. It's like, a, it's like a light bulb went off in my spirit. Just God just did something. And I was dancing on the streets of Beijing awesome. for about 45 minutes. Everything, everyone thought I was a nutcase. But I just couldn't control myself. I mean, you know, I mean, everyone's precious to God, but you know, she was the first from this group. And so God did something. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. We went up there. We met the, probably the only Ellen Tran person that was in Beijing and God led us to that person. And God was in it. And so from that, we came back and had our other little child. And uh, we got a bit of a habit of getting pregnant, China coming back in. <laughs> uh, yeah, you give five grand for coming yeah. back in. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so he beats the Chinese hospital. <laughs> and um, anyway, that year we kept praying. And, and God just started putting our heart on the other minorities in China. Started looking at it. And we, we scoured the world for like mission agencies that were working amongst these people groups and we couldn't find any and so it was quite you know there's mission groups working in that area but not amongst these minorities because these minorities a lot of them are very small and just insignificant and um, so the largest mission group in China is the Southern Baptist and um, they're not working amongst them so we've scoured everywhere and we can't find so anyway cut long story short God just put them on our heart and um, last year we were there for nine months. We started four churches. But we sent out our first, um, first plant, church planting group to the Da people. And um, so that was really, for us, that was a long process. It took us six months to get to that point. Um, working amongst the Chinese is a lot easier. They're a lot more open to the gospel. Wow. Um, but for us to go to these areas, it's very remote. Every time I went there... The police were following me. It was very, very difficult. Um, but the Da people just live out. We live in a city called Chichihar, which is um, way up. We're up near the Siberian border. We're up there, not too far away. 
and um, they actually live on the outside of our city. So we've been focusing on them. So we've been training up. We sent our first two DAR people to reach their own people for Christ. Awesome. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Good. Awesome. Um, you said you, you, they're a minority group. Are they minority group because they have a different dialect? What, yeah, what, what just ma- different people. They're just so you speak different. Chinese fluently? I speak Mandarin fluent Mandarin, yeah. Okay, and so you're going to have to learn that dialect? What are you going to no, do? No, no. That's one of the beauty. Like, communism, you know, um, obviously is not of God. They have tried to eliminate the church. You've got to think, in uh, close to 300 years of mission work in China, there was 700,000 Protestants and 1 million or 3 million Catholics in 1949. 60 years later, there is, and they just celebrated the 60th anniversary of the Communist Party, was there last year. Today, estimates range from close to 100 million people in China are Christians in one generation. And one of the reasons why, there's lots of reasons why, obviously God's involved, but one of the reasons that helps facilitate that, well, that's the Ellen Trin lady that became a Christian. Yeah, that was the day she received Christ. Anyway, um, is that Chinese is mandatory in all schools, education, from kindergarten, university. They've made learning Mandarin the number one language. It's the common language. So everyone basically under 70 years of age understands and speaks Mandarin. So there's um, 900 dialects in China. Uh, basically, unless you're a really, really old person, you understand and speak Mandarin. So even amongst these people groups, um, they speak Mandarin. And, but particularly where we are, we're from Manchuria, which is where Mandarin came from, hence man- Mandarin. So it's Mandarin Chinese. And so I don't have a problem communicating with these groups. That's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, you said that the Chinese are a lot more open to the gospel. Open than what? The Aussie? The local Aussie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, when I, I, we planted a church in Parramatta, I used to stand outside church. It was down at Parramatta Town Hall. I used to, um, uh, just for what, 15, 20 minutes before church, I used to just talk to Chinese people walking by. And probably like six or seven times out of ten, someone would, a non church person would just walk in the church. You talk to the Australian people, you'd like to get one. So, yeah, even here, the Chinese are a lot more open to the gospel. Absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, they've had 60 years of communism where there is no hope. What's their hope? The big hope is to go overseas. You know, that's it. There's no God, there's no hope, there's no nothing. And so, um, yeah, they're incredibly open. God's so, done something. So, so what, what's your normal uh, course of, of outreach in, in China? Do you just walk the streets or do you get to know people? Do you join a local rugby league club? What do you do? <laughs> uh, no rugby league in China. No, no. Huh? Oh, when it comes around again, I'll show you, okay? Yeah, let me know. Um, yeah, just through um, knowing people, um, we're just really praying that God would lead people to us. Mm. So um, it's got to be a God thing. Um, in the city, I can be a lot more open. Um, when I go to the country's areas, I've got to be very, very careful. So when so, you say that the police are watching you? Yeah, um, I mean, when we left, we, we had friends who were taken into the police so, office. So do they know that you, you're actually out there uh, They know what I'm doing. Evangelising. One month before I left in January... Our friends were taken into the police station. So they can't... Do they warn you? They haven't warned us officially, but they've told them to keep away from us. We know what they're up to. Okay. And so can they just kick you out of the country? Theoretically, they could, yeah. So what are you there as? Like an English teacher? What are you uh, there Yeah, as? my wife... We're both high school teachers by profession. My wife's teaching at a university in the city, and um, I'm a free bird. <laughs> 
So your wife brings in the income. Yeah, yeah. Wife, yeah, she gets the bacon. I mean, to be in China, you can't go to China as a missionary. It's illegal. Um, it's illegal to meet, as like today, if we were not in the official church, there is an official church in China, about 20 million people go to that church, but 80 million people choose not to. The reason being is because they believe they're compromising God's word. You cannot preach the return of Christ. You cannot preach a whole range of different things that are fundamental to the Christian faith in the government church. And so they don't want the restrictions of not being able to evangelise and, and a whole lot of different reasons. So um, illegally, they are meeting illegally. So, so what if you went into that, that organised church and, and started to evangelise? Uh, Melanie used to be involved in it. Okay. Um, you, yeah, you can be involved that way. You yep. can. Yeah. And look, praise God for that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just so, so there's no, the, the hierarchy are not totally against it, that like if there's an elder in the church or something, you're not totally against it? No, no, but, but um, you have to pledge allegiance to the Communist Party, which the Communist Party says there is no God. It's atheistic. So ultimately, it's like having the government... Satan in charge of the church. So, you know, not too many Christians are very particularly happy about that. So, but, you know, God is moving. I mean, God is still, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail. And so God still uses yep. that. And many people become Christians through the official church. There is a printing press in China. They are printing Bibles. But just hear it from me. There's approximately 5 million Bibles in China. There's 100 million Christians. There's a big gap. And so um, don't ever criticise people who are bringing in God's word or bring in not just God's word, but other good Christian teaching, because we need as much as we can get. Yeah. And one of the reasons why the church has exploded through the 80s is that God's word got in there and um, had a huge impact. Yeah. So um, just the, the whole... Like, so when you plant a church and, and you start meeting together, do you just do it in the house or in a, outside somewhere in a park? Where do you do oh, it? Not in a park, no. But um, like, like in the countryside, they often they'll, they'll meet in caves, they'll meet in um, just houses, they'll meet in um, just fields. Yeah. Uh, but in the city, we meet in houses. It's a house church network. So we basically limit it to 30 people per church maximum. Okay. Um, just, just so it doesn't get too big in the house? Yeah, or? and the praise and worship can't be too loud like today. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically, look, the police don't want to be bothered with it. Yep. But if neighbours and that complain and they find out, then there's trouble. Yep. Then they've got to act. Then they're meeting illegally, they've got to do something about it. So what I do, I don't go... I have, but I, I don't make a habit of going around to the different churches we planted. I invest my life in discipling uh, my five leaders... And so I meet with them. There's no suspicion. What's the big deal? Five people, I go to their house, there's no big deal. So I just I meet with them um, three times a week, twice corporately and personally, and I just pour my life into them, and they then run the church. So that's awesome. what we're doing. Awesome. The Bible says, and we basically do a 2 Timothy 2. Yep. Um, so I just you know, invest my life into you know, reliable men, yep. preach the word, and, and encourage them to get up and then do the same, to preach and, 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 and disciple other people. So that's what we're doing. So Look, Jesus... Oh, no, you keep going. Keep, no, keep going. <laughs> a lot of people think that, you know, I, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. But you know what? That's, that's rubbish. Amen. That's just absolute rubbish. You, um, for that, 2 Timothy 2 is teaching faithful men who in turn will teach faithful men, if you don't know. Um, you, you, you're talking about that, that lady before, she, that was the day she gave her life to Christ. What does it look like for the normal Chinese to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus? What would that cost them? Um, there's still persecution in China. 
Um, it said if you meet in the government church, it's like this. Christianity started to explode. The, the communist government tried to eliminate Christianity as well as all other religions. It didn't work. Christianity actually flourished. Amen. Um, uh, they estimate probably half a million Christians were... Oh, we're way up... You see the top... Oh, the purple one? Way up, we're way up the top near Siberia, okay? Yeah. Um, it means it can vary from if you meet in the government church, there's no issues. If you meet outside the government structure. The reason why they, they did that is that basically we can't stop this. So if you can't beat them, join them. So they said, all you Christians come in here and you can meet here, here and here and here and then we can control you. Communism is all about control. They don't like things outside of control. And so if you meet in their structure, there's no, there's no issue. If you meet outside their structure, then there's an issue. And that can mean um, loss of job. That can mean no education for your children. And don't forget, you know, there's no Medicare. There's no safety net. There's no pension in China. If you lose your job, well, that's it. You're on the street. They don't care. Um, and so you can lose your job. Uh, you can be imprisoned. But, you know, there's so many Christians. They don't bother about you guys. It's just that you would be in trouble. They just get the pastors. They get the leaders. And so um, they target the, the pastors and the leaders. So that is a continual thing all the time. If you read any information, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, like Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs, we get a lot of information. You scour the internet and you'll see that there's the Chinese government has continually um, persecuted the church. So, but they generally they go after the leaders. So, if you were to put it down to maybe one word or a short statement, would, would you say there's a greater hunger for God in China than Australia? Absolutely. What would Absolutely. you put it down to? Um, I would say that uh, God has sovereignly moved. Um, I would say that um, God is what the devil has meant for evil. God has turned around for good. And he's created a vacuum there. You get to see, to preach to a Buddhist... To preach to a Muslim, to preach to a Taoist or a Hindu or whatever, that's very hard. But communism is wiped slate. So you've got 1.3 billion people, and some people, there's about 20 million people that still adhere to Islam. But basically you've got a whole society of people who don't believe in anything. There's no hope. And God's turned around, just like he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, God will turn things around for good. And, um, uh, and so... I think one of the reasons that um, it's so easy to preach there is that they don't have those barriers of ancestral worship anymore or Buddhism. So uh, they've got no hope. And you come in there with a message of Jesus and, and bang, they want to accept it. Um, just on the note about persecution, um, it is very, very real. I actually was locked up for a week um, for distributing Christian material and kicked out of the country. But I got back in again. <laughs> that was in my wild days. That's why I had hair like you. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't married then? No, I was single. Yeah, you got your hair cut when you got married? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, yeah, you got married. Good, man. That's good. <laughs> dude. Hey, dude, have a seat. We're going to get you uh, come back and preach to us soon. We're just going to take, take up a missions offering now. And uh, this is our offering for, that we take up uh, every second Sunday of the month. And uh, so I'm just going to pray, and uh, we're going to take up another offering. So let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you for this man's heart and his family. Father, I thank you that, uh, Lord, 
that you're a big God. You're not restricted uh, through government. You're not restricted through finances. You're not restricted through any barriers. The only restriction is us. And Father, I pray that you would just break every heart in this room this morning. God, that we would be so open to, to preaching your word, to sharing our faith, to doing all we can so that your word is proclaimed. Father, break our hearts. Break it so that someone can see your love. And as we take up this offering, Father, I just pray that you would just bless it for your glory, not our own, but for yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. You're on. There's our pauper, mate. I'm sure you're used to something small. Do you want that up? While we're still waiting, let's open up the Second Kings, chapter 7. Second Kings, chapter 7. And uh, what I might do is, because you're going to hear my voice all the time, I might get my wife to read this out. Come, Ellie. And um, she's got a lot nicer voice than me. Second Kings, chapter 7, and verse 3 to verse 10. Second Kings 7, 3 to 10. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to one, each other, Why stay here until we die? If we stay, oh, if we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the, uh, uh, um, how do you say that? Armenes. Our means, uh, and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we will die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the camp, of the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of the chariots and horses and a great army, so, they did, uh, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they, went up, uh, so they got up and fled to the, in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered into one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes went off and hid them. Then they returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. This is the day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the into the Aramean camp, and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone. Only the tethered horses and the donkeys and the tents just as, left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news, and it was reported within the palace. Okay, so um, without reading the rest of the story... Uh, basically, after the lepers went to the, warned the, um, told the city 
what happened, the king was very suspicious and uh, thought this was a trap. And so he sent out some men and they actually found out what the lepers had said had been true and what Elijah had said that the God would give them, um, uh, that God would set them free was actually true. And so we don't need to read the rest of the story, but um, let's just look again at verse um, 3 to 5. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go up into the city, the famine is there, if we will, and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Medians and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Medians. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Lord, we just pray today that God, that you just um, open up the hearts and minds of everyone here, Lord. Lord, we just pray that your word, your word is life, your word is hope, your word is love. Lord, your word is an everlasting word. Lord, you said that, Lord, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And Father, Lord, today, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would anoint your word, and Lord, that your, your word will not return void. And I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, that, that you would inspire um, Lord, people here, Father, to, to rise up, to reach out to their community and to reach out to the world, we pray. That God, they'd take hold of their life and, and make it useful for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And, you know, today I want to talk to you. Um, I'm sure I've done in Roger for a little bit. I can pick up. I really, I really love this guy. He's got the same sort of heart that I've got. So I figure that you guys probably hear a lot about evangelism, but... I want to talk again about evangelism, but not only just that, but also missions as well, because that's the bigger picture as well. And, um, and so today as I, as I share, even though we're talking about Second Kings, you think, what's that got to do with missions? Um, today I want to encourage you to take hold of your opportunities in your life and to whatever God has called you to. Not everyone's called, called to be a missionary. I know that. But what has God called you to? What gifts, what talents has he given you? And I want to encourage you to step up and to do what God has called you to be faithful to what God has called you to do. Amen? Okay, so from that scripture, the first point I want to make is what I was just sharing then, is to take hold of your opportunities in life. You know, so often, um, you know, like the lepers here, they were sitting there at the city gate, life was going on, they realised that they're doing nothing, they're getting nowhere, they're going to die. And so they, they did something. They had a choice, didn't they? They had a choice. They said, oh, we can stay here and die. We can go to the city. We can go to the camp of the means. They had a choice. And so they stood up and they did something about their situation. And too many Christians today are just sitting like the lepers at the gate and just life drifts on, just waiting for Jesus to come back, just waiting to go to heaven and not really impacting their society. But you know what? God's got more than that. God's got a bigger purpose. God's got a plan for your life. And today I want to encourage you to rise up and allow God to take you and to use you, to take hold of the opportunities because we don't always have opportunities in our life. Isn't that right? I mean, once you're married and you've got kids and this and that, you know, just naturally, just naturally, you don't have the same... We haven't been on a date for I don't know how long. We just don't have those opportunities. You know? Um... This life is like that. And opportunities pass by. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life 
and have too many regrets. I've already got some regrets, but thank Jesus he's forgiven me. You know what I mean? We're all saved by grace, amen? But I don't want to... I want to make the rest of my life count for Jesus. I'm continually giving my dad a hard time. Dad, you could be dead tomorrow. Hurry up and do something with your life. Like, in a nice way. But, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, you know, I know you want to caravan around Australia, but, you know, you could do something effectively. So I'm on to his back all the time. Because, you know, what? He's 60-odd. He's got 20 good more years and that's it. You think about that. 20 years and you're out of here. Right? Now let's think about it. One hundred. Let's think of it. One hundred billion years into the future. One hundred billion years, and that's just the start. Can you think of that? One hundred billion years into the future, and that's just the start of eternity. You're going to look back on this life and think, "What was that? It's like a speck. Why did I pour all my life, my energy, into working, 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 working? Now, I'm not saying you can't work." Why did I spend all that time studying, 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 and doing this and this and this? Now, hear what I'm saying. Okay, hear what I'm saying. I'm not criticizing that, but what I'm saying is that your life priorities. Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three: Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus has to be number one. We say He is our Lord. We say He's our King. If He's our Lord and our King, we obey Him. You know, if you're a Chinese and emperor. Emperor said to you, you know, do this. You wouldn't say, oh, hold on, excuse me, just a minute, can I, can I do that later? Or You'd have your head off. If you looked at the emperor, you'd have your head off. And we say Jesus is our Lord, but we have to obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so please hear my heart today. I'm not criticising. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just saying, I want to challenge you today. Where are you? Are you sitting at the city gate? Are you going to get up and do what God has put on your heart? Because we all have a choice. We all have a choice. Um, in uh, James chapter four, verse fourteen, it says, "Why do you do? Not, oh, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is what is your life? You are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Just a mist." Life is so short. We've got to make every day count for Jesus. You know, we have to have, like it says in John chapter 15, we have to have eternal fruit. God made us to, have, to, be, to bear fruit, to be fruitful. And um, I don't know about you, but I just want, I really want my life to count. I want to take hold of those opportunities that God gives me. Amen. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20, it says, the, this is a very sad scripture, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. And uh, in, nine, in John chapter 9, verse 4, a similar sort of theme, as long as it is day, we must work, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. And you know what? Getting on to what Roger was asking about China, you know, there is, there is seasons, there's times and seasons in people's lives. Isn't that right? In my own spiritual life, I know there's been times where oh, I've been so such full of joy. I can hear from God. Um, you know, God is, is speaking to me, and, and I, I feel blessed. And, and God's doing. I'm, I'm maturing Christ, in a Christian way. I'm maturing spiritually. And there's other times I'm thinking, God, where are you? <laughs> where, where where are you? You know what I mean? We can all relate to that, can't we? And you know, in the life of a church, 
There's times where there's, you know, people coming in, getting saved, and all that. There's great spiritual maturity amongst the saints, and, and, and God's doing things. And there's other times where it seems nothing's happening. And amongst people groups, amongst cities, you know, there's revivals, and, 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 and whole, a whole people group will come to Christ. But last year, there wasn't a Christian amongst them. And even amongst whole nations. And I'll give you examples of this, like we shared in China. Uh, 60 years ago, there wasn't even 1 million Christians in China. Now there's 100 million. Why? Something's happened. God's moving. When God's moving, we've got to take hold of those opportunities. And the Holy Spirit's moving amongst the people. We've got to go with God. Because unless God's in it, we're not going to do it. If I do things in my own strength, I can't do it. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. And I don't want to do things in my own strength. I can't. So when God's moving, we've got to move with God. And Japan is another classic example. After World War II, um, the Japanese people were, deli- were spiritually void because their worship, their, their religion was to worship the emperor. The emperor was God. Well, hold it. How did God lose the war? Just a minute. The emperor can't be God. Well, who's God? And so there was this spiritual void in the Japanese heart. And General MacArthur, who, by the way, was not a Christian, he said, you send me missionaries and Bibles and I'll make Japan a Christian country. But you know what? Because we hated the Japanese, the Christian, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Britain, US, Canada, you know, the, the Christian, the Dutch, because we were fighting the Japanese, we didn't go. Well, very few people went. And, and the, the reports were that they were lining up for miles and miles and waiting for hours and hours to get into the few Christian churches in Japan at the time because they realised that the Western God was more powerful than their empire. And we lost the opportunity because we didn't go. And now Japan, even though it's a free country, you can go and preach the gospel, they are closed to the gospel. They're one of the most closed peoples to the gospel there are. They harden their heart. They filled their void with materialism and other religions. And we lost the opportunity. We lost it. And you can see it in your own family. There's people when you're your father or your mother or your daughter or your son have been open to the gospel, your friend. And other times they don't want to hear nothing about it. They want to hear about God. So what I'm saying to you is take hold of your opportunities. Whatever God is calling you to, whatever your friends are, whatever your family are, take hold of that opportunity because we don't know how long we're going to be in. We don't know how long, just as I said, night is coming when no man can work. We don't know when they're going to close the door of their heart to Jesus. So let's not procrastinate. Let's get up like those lepers and get out there and do something. Amen? Don't ever say, God, you can't use me. Don't ever say, oh, I'm no good at witnessing. That's rubbish. If Jesus can use the Samaritan woman, let's think about that, five times divorced, currently was presently living with a man who wasn't her husband, if that woman can impact her whole village for Jesus, God can use her, he can use you. Now we would say to that woman, excuse me young lady, uh, you need to sit down. You can't minister, you can't preach the gospel, you need to sit down and shut up. You're divorced five times. You can't preach the gospel. Isn't it? 
And lots of churches would say, excuse me, we're not even welcome. And some churches, not most, some. So if God, Jesus can use her, she was obedient. That was the key. She was obedient to what Jesus said. Obedience. She had an opportunity, she took it. If Jesus can use that demon-possessed man, demon-possessed, we think, we can't have someone in there preaching the word. And you know what? He impacted his whole area, which is actually eight cities, eight towns. His whole area for Jesus. Because he wanted to follow Jesus. He said, no, you go back to the, your area. And he did. He was obedient. And if God can use those four lepers to save that city, he can use you. Amen? Um, so I want you to, I want to challenge you, like, um, I don't know about you, but not too many days go by when I actually think about the lost. You know, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. And I'm sure that you guys hear a lot about reaching the lost here. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit will be stirring up your hearts about that. But I want to challenge you also, from a practical level, practical level, every day, Pray, God, give me an opportunity today to witness. The Bible says if you don't ask, you don't receive. Now, I'm telling you right now, God will honour that prayer. Why? Because God's heart is not one man should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's not saying, oh my goodness, where is there a non-Christian I can find to bring across your path? Rubbish. Right? God can manipulate situations that... God can bring those people. If you say, God, use me today through my actions, through my behavior, through my attitude, through my words, God will do it. We have to be the light and salt of this earth. Amen? God will do it. The problem is that we don't ask. We're not thinking that way. I think about the lost, I said, almost every day. So it's in the forefront of my mind. And so I'm looking for opportunities. And if we do that, we're going to impact our community for Jesus. Amen? Who remembers Schindler's List? Who's seen Schindler's List? Remember, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how many, but remember at the end of the story, he took off his ring. We looked at his ring and said, what is this? Well, better not lose, that's my wedding ring. <laughs> he said, what is this? This is just a bit of metal, all right? He said, you know what, I, could, I can't remember exactly the number, but he said, look, I could have saved 20 Jews. Remember that? He had Jews working in his factory. I could have saved 20 Jews from this, this, what is this? He didn't take his opportunity. He had regrets. So let's not have regrets. Amen? Yeah. All right, second point. Okay, we have a responsibility before God to take the gospel to the lost. Now let's look at, um, let's look at 2 Kings again. Verse 8 to 10. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver gold clothes that went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid it with them also. Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait till daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. Uh, verse 10, So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, etc., etc. So in verse 8, we see that lepers here are eating and they're drinking and they're They've got all this gold and silver and clothes. So much so, they don't even know what to do with it. So they start hiding it. And then in verse 9, um, it says, We're not doing what is right. This is a day of good news, 
And we are keeping it to ourselves. They realised that they were wrong. They realised that they were selfish. They came to their senses. How can we do this? We have an opportunity. We have a responsibility to, to tell the city who is starving that the Armenians have left. We have a responsibility. In verse 10, they acted on their conviction. They acted on the fact that they knew they were being selfish. And you know what? In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, um, you know, uh, many, that is what we call the Great Commission. Often it's the Great Omission. And so people are very quick to say, oh, I'm not called. But Jesus said to go and hear my heart. Has he called you to stay? And for most people that's yes. But he's called us to go. The question is not, do I go or not? The question is, God, here I am, I'm available, send me. Where do you want me to go? The real question is where? Where do you want me to go? He said to go. He's our king, he's our lord, he's our commander. He said go. It's his last command, it's his most important command. It's the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come just to heal people, to raise the sick, to teach us. That was all important, but all those people died anyway. Jesus came to die, to save us from hell. And hell is a real place. If there was no hell, why did Jesus come and die? And so Jesus is giving us that responsibility. He is saying to go. The real question is, where do you want me? And today I want you to ask yourself, where do you want me, God? Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Um, God had one son and he made him a missionary. Isn't that right? It's true, isn't it? You know, we don't... And when I say we have a responsibility, that's not out of legalism. It's not because you have to. Not by have to. It's because I want to. I love God. And if you have a heart for God and a passion for God, you'll have a passion for people. You'll have compassion. And compassion is love. Compassion is action. And so it's not like I have to. It's because... Like, I don't have to, like... When I follow the word, God's got lots of rules in, don't they? Lots of people say, oh, the book Bible's just full of rules. And you can look at it from a legalistic point of view. You can't do this and you can't do that. But I don't want to do this and that because I love God. There's grace there. You understand? It's not because I, I can't. God says don't. But I don't do it just because he doesn't say don't. I do it because I love him. There's a difference. The motivation is different. I don't desire to do those things because I love God. And the same thing, when we, when we reach out to people, we, you know, it's not because we have to. It's not like Jehovah's Witnesses. You have to go out in the Mormons. You have to. It's different. They're doing it out of legalism. We do it because we love God. And if you love God, you say that Jesus is your king, you must. You're compelled to. You want to. You want to. I'm just a normal guy, honestly. I'm just a normal guy. But I've got a heart for the lost. God's got hold of me. I have to. How can I not tell people about Jesus? You know, in um, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 20, it says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against us, them, sorry, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ... Though God was making his appeal through us. What an incredible privilege. 
the most important message that God has. He's given it to us. He didn't give it to the angels. He didn't give it just to the pastors and the leaders. He gave it to all of us. We know not be all called to be missionaries, but we're all called to be witnesses. Amen? We have to, make, we have to let our light shine. That's incredible. In Matthew 25, it talks about the, um, the parable of the talents, and we haven't got time to, to, to read through that today. But if you just remember, there was the master, and he had three servants. And uh, one he gave one talent to, remember? And one he gave two, and one he gave five. And let's just, for the sake of, because I'm talking about evangelism, missions, and reaching out, and, and, and also, you know, whatever God's called you to. You understand what I'm saying? What's, what's God called you to? What gifts, what talents? Has he given you? All right. Now, for the sake of this, let's equip the talent to the gospel. Okay? Now, the two guys that were given two and five talents, what did they do with it? They multiplied it, didn't they? They multiplied it. They blessed. They, were, they multiplied their talents. They were a blessing. The guy with the one, he was fearful. He dug a hole and put it in the ground. And do you know what? Often as Christians, we get saved, right? We have God in our heart, and what do we do? We just dig that into our heart, we put the gospel in there, and just keep it to ourselves. God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to multiply our talents. He wants us to disciple. Discipling means that you're making convert, you're leading people to Christ and discipling them. He wants us to multiply. But so often... We just dig a hole and keep it to ourselves. How dare I, how dare you keep that to yourself? How dare you? Hand up here who got saved because someone talked to them. Hand up, quick. Who got saved because someone, whether you came to church, the preacher was preaching. Quick, honestly, everyone's hand, quick. Who got saved? Right. Who didn't get saved? Who, who didn't get saved by someone talking to them? They got saved. Oh, okay, I think today I'll become a Christian and I'll read the Bible. And I'll get saved. Anyone like that? Okay, cool. One. Right, so what have we got here? About 50, 60 people? So one, so let's say 2%. So my point is this. Don't forget that one day in your past, because someone loved you, because someone cared for you, they didn't care that you would laugh at them, that you would push them away, that they would reject you. Because... They took the time. They shared Jesus with you. Isn't that right? Well, we have to do the same. How can we just keep that to ourselves? How dare you? I'm sorry I'm using too strong a language, but I want to go for it. Okay, how dare I keep that to myself? We cannot. I'm compelled to tell people about Jesus. Who's excited about Jesus coming back? Who's excited? Come on. And some people aren't excited. I'm excited. But you know what? Half the world hasn't heard. Half the world's waiting for him to come back again. And half the world hasn't even heard of his name. Okay, point number three. Whip along here. Okay. Uh, we need a heart. We need God's heart for people. The Bible says... Right, we got Pastor, Pastor Roger, you got a, you're a prophet in here or not? 
that's Chinese. That's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only... That is God's heart, isn't it? God gave his son. That is God's heart. He, so much so that he valued us that he died for us. Amen? We need that heart. We need that heart that God has for people. Um, and uh, I'm getting my notes mixed up here. Um, you know, the lepers here, um, they could have easily despised um, the people in the city, couldn't they? They were outcasts. Why should we go and save them? What have they done for us? They don't care about us. They don't love for us. Why don't we just keep all this stuff for ourselves? They could have easily had that attitude. Why should we go and, and help these people? They've cast us out of the city. Um, even in, um, even in according to the law, in Leviticus 13, 16, the God commanded that people with those conditions would be outside the community. They could have got bitter towards God, couldn't they? God, why should I? Why should I go to these people? Why should I listen and do what you've asked me? Now, you've, you've made me a reject in the community. Isn't that right? But you know what? They had compassion. They had compassion. They had action. I like, who was there, Pastor Jack? Uh, who was there last Friday night? I like what Pastor Jack said that, um, you know, he, he would um, he'd see these ads on, on TV about starving children in, India, um, in Africa and places like that. And he'd be really touched. And then the football would come on again. He was really happy because he didn't have to deal with this conviction in his heart. And, um, and so that, that's, you know, seeing these ads sort of really touched his heart. But later on, the years went by, he, he saw another ad and this time he acted on, on that and he decided to sponsor some children. So that's compassion. That's the difference. Love is action. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. And so if, we're going to have, if we say we're a Christian, if we say that Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us, if he lives inside of us, we have, God, we have to have God's heart. We have to reach out to people. We have to. We have a responsibility. You know, the Western world has a responsibility to take the gospel to places where there is no church. Paul said that my ambition is always to preach Christ where Christ is not known. We have a responsibility. God, I believe God is calling enough people in this generation to reach this generation for Christ. I believe that. God is not the problem. God is calling. We are not responding to the call. And so today, of course I'm talking about missions. I'm talking about evangelism. But I'm, I'm, I, wanna, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. Is what has God called you to? Okay? And just to be faithful and to do it. To do it. Whatever it is, to do what God's called you to. Unfortunately, when it comes to the missions, people don't want to go to Afghanistan. Who wants to go to Iraq? Who wants to go to these places? And therefore, not many people choose to do it because it's hard, because it may cost them their life. That's right. Absolutely. Amen. And so today, you know... Um, uh, I want to challenge you that, you know, maybe you're a little bit bored in your Christianity. I don't know. Maybe you are. I want to challenge you. If you're bored of your Christianity, just go out there and tell someone about Jesus. Honestly, I'm telling you, it'll bring joy back in your life. It really will. 
It does, because that's the reason why God created us, to be a light and salt in this earth. Amen? I'm telling you, I've been a Christian all my life. And, you know, you, you, I'm, let's be honest, you can get stagnant, you can get bored sometimes. Okay, isn't that right? You go and tell someone about Jesus and you instantly joy will come into your life because that's why you're here, to be a witness for him. I mean, why do we come here? You know, it's great to come here and praise and worship, isn't it? Man, all the Baptist churches are like this now. <laughs> it is great praise and worship. I loved it, right? It was great praise and worship. But you know what? We're going to be praising and worshiping God forever. Isn't that right? We're going to hear the word, not just me. I'm not, my, I'm, not, I'm not a good preacher. But we're going to be with the word of God forever. The word of God. Forever and forever. It's great to come here and fellowship and have time. But you know what? We're going to be stuck together forever. Isn't that right? There's two things you can't do in heaven. Sin and all that that accomplished. All, everything that means sin. Right? You can't sin anymore. Praise God. Another thing you can't do is... Tell someone, lead someone to Christ. It's too late. We've got to take hold of our opportunities. And uh, I could keep going on and on, but I better. I'll just finish off with my um, a true story about my grandmother. Um, when my grandmother was about eighty-five, she and I was about fifteen or something, and um, I went over there for a cup of tea. And she started sharing her life story with me. And at that stage, I already had a heart for missions, in particular China. And uh, she started sharing how she came out on the boat from England and she got saved in Australia and she was very evangelistic. She spent a lot of time on the street sharing. In those days, sharing on the street was quite effective. Um, and, and how God had, had started to give a real heart for missions. I thought, wow, oh, real, great. I've got a heart for missions too. And she started sharing and how she went around to all these different mission agencies. And then she kept getting rejected because she was older and she wasn't married and all these different things. And um, she got so despondent that she never... There was one other mission agency that she knew of and she didn't go. And then she, all this grief, I can only, she started weeping. I mean, it wasn't just crying, it was something out of her spirit just started pouring out this regret that she'd come to the end of her life. And even though God had used her, she knew that she didn't obey what God asked her. And she just said, I wish I'd just gone. I wish I'd just followed what God had put on my heart. And then she told me she was called to China. I thought, wow. Anyway, five years later, I'd already made one trip to China to come back. Shortly later, she died. And I remember at the funeral, um, and of course, you know, I was crying and she was the first person I knew that I knew was close had died. And I remember the pastor saying these words, that here was a woman who was called of God to be a missionary in China who never went. And I remember sitting at the front row there and saying, God, no one is going to say over my dead body that here was a man who was called of God to be a missionary to China who never went. But here was a man who was called and was obedient and he went. And today I want to leave you with that. What has God called you to? What gifts and talents has he called you to? Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here today. I'm not saying we all have to run off and go to China. That's what God's told me to do. So I'm just doing it. What has he called you to do? 
Take hold of your opportunity. You don't know when that door will close. Take hold of that opportunity. Understand your responsibility before God. And get God's heart. If you, don't have, if you don't walk down the street and have compassion for people, look in people's eyes. Ask God. God, give me a compassion. Give me a heart for people. And get your eyes off yourself and on the people. Look, I'll tell you what. If you think you've got problems, they've got problems. Outside the walls of this church, people are going to hell. Do we understand that? I, when I think about hell, I shudder. If God could put you in hell for 30 seconds, you'd be coming up to everyone. You would be. You'd be going up to everyone. If, you, if God could put you in there for 30 seconds, I'll tell you what, you'd be a different person. Amen. You really would be. Yep. You'd be a different person. Amen. So get your eyes off yourself. Don't worry about your little thing at work. Don't worry about your girlfriend. That's nothing. <laughs> They've got problems. You haven't got problems. You've got Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll stop there. Sure. Sure.